to talk to David Black, who's an actor, writer, producer, director. Um, he's done some amazing things in his life, and I'm so excited to hear all about them. Hey, David, how are you? I'm very good, and yourself? Good, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us all the way from Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what country are you in? The U.S. Oh, yeah. So it's winter there, isn't it? Well, especially where I am. I'm in Michigan, so it's a lot of snow and cold. Oh, it is <laughs> boiling hot here. I've got the uh, window open and everything, <laughs> but boy, it's a sweltering one here. Yeah, no. Oh, I wish. <laughs> Maybe I'll just move there. <laughs> what are your winners like? Um, uh, winter for Melbourne isn't uh, like Michigan. We don't have snow. Um you can get snow if you go up to the mountains, but on the whole, snow is a stranger to me. So we've just had Christmas time. Everybody's got their uh, Frosty the Snowman and their, their, like everyone I'm talking to from overseas, it's all about <laughs> snowballs, snowmen. And uh, for us, it's really hot here. The only time I ever went to the snow, I, I'd only ever seen stuff on um on the TV. So I thought, I'll make a snowball and I'll throw it. And I threw it at my brother. It was like a whopping big, hard chunk of ice and it hurt yeah. him. Oh. I didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going up to the snow again. <laughs> yeah. They make it not very good on TV or they make it ni much nicer on TV than it actually is. Uh, yeah. It's not like fluffy stuff, is it? It's actually just ice, isn't it? It depends. There are there is times that it is that fluffy, but a lot of times it's more the hard snow. Yeah, yeah. And I went up to the snow without gloves, so I found out the hard way on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that does not sound fun. Um, so one of the things I like when I was looking at your stuff is you actually have done comic books. Oh, yeah. Um, originally, I was a cartoonist. I was a cartoonist for years and I actually worked my way up and was an editorial cartoonist for a newspaper called The Truth, which was a big national uh, newspaper. So I was sort of getting where I wanted to go. But uh, with all of the arts, it's very hard to make a living. So when I lost the job with The Truth, I was just working freelance and I was making um, enough just to sort of get by subsistence. But uh it just became a bit hard and I ended up burning out. So yeah. I, found, I found out for, when I came back from the burnout that I could not draw. <laughs> no, uh, why? I don't know. To this day, I can't draw. People say to me as, uh, as uh, a, a filmmaker, hey, it must be fantastic uh, being a cartoonist because you can do all your storyboards. I swear blind, I can't make the stick figures work. I can't visualize anything. Something in the back of my brain just broke one day. And so I went off and I got myself a job, um, just uh, a low-level job, which I've still got today, which is pretty much just uh, telemarketing, but maybe a touch above that. There's a, a lot of other marketing involved. Yeah. I even went back and I got qualifications in IT. So I got my diploma of IT, but I hated that and went back to the telemarketing. And uh, after the uh, after the cartooning, uh, to keep, um, keep in the artistic fields, 
Uh, I wrote stories that got published in magazines like Dark Angel, and uh, I played in a band, and the band didn't do too badly. It got in, included in a number of uh, compilation uh, discs that went out around the world. And we Very got, cool. Yeah, we got covered in international rock books and stuff, and so that was all bouncing along, and I was enjoying that. But then I got cancer, and... Oh. <laughs> I'm not trying to make this sound like a sob story. These things will happen in anybody's life. I'm 57. Of course. You, uh, by the time you get to 57, you're going to have one or two hiccups. So I've had a I, few. I understand. <laughs> yeah. So gradually I started noticing at the gigs that I was getting tighter and tighter and sweating more and more. And the final gig we did, I only got through 20 minutes and I just couldn't stand. And I was lucky that... Um, that we got rushed off stage because of a lack of time. The band before us had gone on for too long with their sound check and stuffed around and um, our slot was cut to 20 minutes. And I just said, thank God. And I didn't do another gig. Yeah. I did keep recording and we were making videos and it was through that, uh, through making the music videos and through having been in the band that I ended up, um, discovering the indie movie industry. But before I discovered that, I'd had about four or five years. I, I can't remember exactly how long, but I just didn't have the energy. So yeah. um, I, I remember one New Year's Eve came after another New Year's Eve. You know, it's like the years are going past and I'm getting proud of myself that I made it out for an hour on New Year's Eve. Following year, I'm proud of myself. I made it out for two hours on New Year's Eve. So is this and all when you had cancer? Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't, have hit, it shouldn't have hit me as hard as it did. But uh, maybe there was depression involved, maybe a number of things. I don't know. But I, yeah. just, I just was struggling to get through a day's work if I got through the day's work, I had to um, plan on being able to do the uh, shopping, you know, after work or anything. I just didn't have energy. I couldn't get through full days. And uh, one day a friend who was also in a band, I didn't know with this friend that this guy was known more for his filmmaking. I just mm -hmm. knew him from being in a band. And he said, Dave, I'd like you to be an extra on my film set. This is about six years ago. So um, I got to his film set and I, I'd been doing music videos, but I'd never seen a setup like this. Um, there was uh, lights on uh, stands that were like 30 feet high and there was equipment everywhere. <laughs> there was an armorer with real AK-47s. There was uh, Jane Badler. She was the star in it. She was in V when I was a kid and I even had bought the swap cards. So she's on that set and I'm going, Oh, wow. And basically I found that I got through all of that filming. I wasn't too tired to go to work the next day and I had to come back on set the next night. I got through all of that. By the time I got to the end of the filming, I just said to myself, I must have my energy back. Yeah. And it could I'm, just be you're enjoying it too. Something you're doing that you're enjoying. Well, I think I've been starved of anything for a few years just because I didn't have the energy to go out. Um, so, uh, uh, no, I still had a little bit of exhaustion from the cancer, but it, it, 
it had lifted enough to be able to do things. And because I was uh, meeting all of these people on the set, you know, various people that were in crew and they would say, uh, mm -hmm. Dave, we've got um, a shoot next week or we've got a shoot in a fortnight. Um, could you come on to that and be an extra? So I ended up going from uh, getting onto a lot of sets and going from a background extra to uh, a featured extra to getting roles in films. And then I finally started making them. So uh, <laughs> six years <laughs> later, here I am and uh, I've made something like 40 short films around three feature films and for the band there was uh 10 music videos we've done documentaries and i've gone on television so it's sort of built from that um from that low point to to now that's that's insane like that's amazing like how one thing led to another led to another and you were just able to build and learn and create this whole career for yourself? Well, it has been a lot of learning. I mean, I can remember the first set I was on, the one I mentioned before, that was a mm -hmm. film called, that was a film called Cult Girls. Now, I'd already made nine music videos before that, but I had never known what I was doing. In other words, I got the, um, the, the somebody that was going to be in charge of filming it and I'd end up doing all of the work that I do now in making a film, but I didn't know what the uh, equipment was, what the different people on the set, what their jobs were or anything, because I wasn't told. Right. But uh, the attitude on the film sets is actually totally different to the music videos I've been doing. Uh, people would actually explain everything to you. So whereas I had no idea in making <laughs> nine music videos, uh, even what the cameras were, didn't know what the cameras were, didn't know what the lights were. And I often did go out and help pick up the cameras and lights with the people making the films. So yeah. I'd be with them. I'd be the extra set of hands. I'd even organize picking them up, but I didn't know what the, the, that equipment was. Uh, I, so suddenly being on the sets, every time like you're standing around and you're standing around forever doing nothing <laughs> until you go on, uh, people would just start explaining. I'd say, hi, how are you doing? And the camera person would say, oh, great. I'd say, what's that? And he'd say, uh, this is a red camera. And I'd look at it and go, no, it looks black to me. No, the brand is red. This does this, this, and this, and that. And uh, so the uh, lighting guy would say, well, look, these are blondies. These are for this. We, we use these to remove shadows. And that, they'd just be explaining everything all of the time. And they'd be amazed that I'd be listening and actually wanting to know this stuff. Right. And, and of course, once you get to know something, you think, gee, I'd like to do it. I'd like to try it out. So, yeah, it, it gradually just got on to uh, making um, small movies. I think the, the first really small one I did, um, I did on an iPhone <laughs> and... I got nervous before making it on the iPhone that it would be crap. So I actually had organized a proper shoot for a horror film. I had a makeup artist that could do some fantastic work. We had uh, the script. We had all of the actors. We had all of the props, special effects, everything. And the idea was that it was going to be found footage. And uh, I've 
come home with my girlfriend and we've found everybody in the house has been slaughtered. And it's me with the iPhone walking around, uh, reacting and showing everything. And at that point, I realised, hang on, what if my iPhone footage is really unusable and crap, right? And I thought, I'll, I'll have all of these people upset. So I got a, um, one of the camera people that I'd met and I got him to come along. So he had his rig and he's behind me filming me, filming everybody else. Very cool. And, and I thought, what if the sound on the iPhone is really crap? And I got um, a, uh, a soundie to come in and uh, get the professional, get the levels correct and make sure the sound was right. So we did that and the, it was a combo of uh, the footage I took and the pro footage and it came out perfectly. And I thought, right, there's a, a three and a half minute short film and I did it. Wow. You know, uh, that was the beginning. I thought uh, I'll keep making films. So uh, started getting bigger camera crews and um, getting to know yeah. more, making lots of mistakes along the way. Of course. So that's where you learn. <laughs> you can't be perfect all the time. <laughs> oh, I haven't been perfect once. Never that's once. Kind of the, that's the fun of it, I feel like. Everything that I've done has actually come out quite well. And I don't say that to brag, but you do go through hell in making a film with all of the worries. Um, the worries start from the beginning to end and uh, you do end up with plans constantly changing. And COVID was just murderous. Yeah. Melbourne turned out to be the most locked down city in the world. We had over 200 days of being locked in. 200 days? Yeah, a lot of those, uh, there were curfews at night and you're only allowed to go out for certain reasons. For instance, to go to the doctor, to go to the supermarket, or if you had an exemption to go into work. Otherwise, you had to work remotely. You're allowed to take your dogs out in um, to, for a walk, but you weren't allowed to be out for an hour. You're allowed to go for a jog, but not for more than an hour and not further than a couple of kilometres from your place. So this made it impossible to do shoots. Right. We, managed, we managed to shoot um, in the breaks, but we couldn't do anything big or impressive because it there were just so many difficulties and it would only take one person pulling out for whatever reason and you just... Right. You just couldn't uh, rearrange it, and there wouldn't you wouldn't know if the following week you'd be in lockdown again. And we've got the same problems again now. We're, we're not in lockdown, but the numbers here are going through the roof. So, oh. so I've just managed to finish um, a short film that was supposed to be filmed in November 2019. It's called Game of Groans. We've finally finished that. We've got that in editing, and it'll come out. But if we hadn't managed to shoot that about three weeks ago, it was just after the day we'd shot it that suddenly the word Omicron come, came into the English language. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Mm. This whole like world like has just completely changed from all this. Well, it has. Well, look at us. We're, we're on different sides of the world. We're on a podcast. People... People were talking about podcasts three years ago, but it's now, it's now become far more common because people 
have opened up to the new technology. So the right. businesses, they all started having to use Zoom for meetings. So people got into uh, this sort of thing quite quickly. Yeah. And it's opened yeah. up the world. Um, for us, it was godsend because we got uh, some filming done from overseas crews. So same process for um, Australia where I'd get a script out. The uh, director would uh, break it down into a shot list. But the director could actually, if he chose, be able to watch the room the way I can see you now. Oh, like through Zoom. He could if he wanted. He did on a couple, uh, not on others, but he was able to um, have meetings and talk about the shoots this way if he chose. And wow. we got a lot of... Because not every single place was in lockdown at the same time. We're right. able to get uh, some films shot around the world. And, of course, um, that, that's for a particular film called Toxic Alien Zombie Babes from Outer Space. We've got three hours worth. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've got three hours worth of footage for that. It's a big feature. And for this one, our footage is from around the world. So in the old days, if you wanted to do that, you had to have a lot of money because you had to hop on a plane with the crew, go off right. to Brazil to film. This way, um, enthusiastic amateurs like us uh, filmed in Texas, they filmed in Brazil, they filmed in Italy, Spain, France. Our film has got footage from all around the world. We're able to use green screen so that we can pop people into France with the actors that are acting in France. <laughs> in some cases, we had, uh, there was one where we had a guy in Canada and he was doing a magic show. And the idea is that he's going to be attacked by the toxic alien zombie babe from outer space. Well, because of the social distancing there, he couldn't have anybody watching the magic show. And we had it scripted that children would be watching it. Yeah. So we've, so we've got him and he's doing his magic show in a park and there's a lot of grass. The children we had shot from all around the world. And we just uh, gave the script to different people, usually parents. And uh, they filmed their children against grass. So uh, they would be That's given the so instructions. Cool. Be happy. Clap now. Be horrified. And we just put all of the children together because grass matches grass. Uh, and uh, he had uh, his crowd of children all going crazy, except he was in Canada. One child was in, in France. Uh, one, one child was in England. Some children were in France and a few children were in Melbourne. So <laughs> those kids didn't even meet and they all looked like they're in the one scene together. Wait, that's so cool because like thinking about it, it's like when you have these kids sitting next to each other, well, they look like they're next to each other, but like one really is in France, one's in Texas, one's, and they're all like all over the world, but next to each other. Yeah. Cause they're all reacting at the same time. It looks it's like so they're cool. one crowd. Now we couldn't have done that before the lockdown. The lockdown made it necessary that we had to think out of the square. Right. But at the same time, if I'd have started approaching all of these people around the world saying, hey, I've got this idea, would you like to do it? I think I would have gotten a lot of resistance. But the lockdowns um, opened people up. They, they were thinking, let's try new things. Yeah. Um, in some cases with Zoom, whether you wanted to try it or not, the pressure was on. If you wanted to keep your job and uh, turn up to the meetings at work while you were <laughs> locked into your, uh, your house, 
you had to go onto a webcam like this and talk to people on Zoom. Right. So in a, in a way, it's uh, there is a positive that's going to come out of all of this, that we've all hooked up around the world and we can see ourselves more hooked up than ever before. Yeah. I did manage to keep things going, but in a different way. <laughs> Are you going to have, like, would you even think about going back to the other way? Like once, like if everything was just done and it was gone for the most part, like you were able to do, would you want to? Go uh, back pardon? to how, would you want to go back to how it used to be? Or do you like this new way? Uh, it, things will never go back to the way they were. And I mean oh. that in a positive way. Um, as soon as I can get, um, as soon as I can get uh, out to film in person, I want to do that again. We've just done that. It was great. But uh, being able to work internationally, I'm hoping people will remain open-minded and we can try all of that again. Yeah. Now, I, I had since the my first days in making films worked uh, with people remotely anyway. I forgot that I did have one film before the film I mentioned to you. Mm -hmm. My very first film was a zombie movie and it was done. It, it was a strange thing that was asked of me. I was going to um, a film night on a regular basis. It was called um, Boogie Nights. And the guy that was running it on his first night, the place was packed out and it looked like the Academy Awards. Everyone's really dressed up and uh, totally blown away by seeing all of these local filmmakers' films. Where was it? Was, pardon? Where is it? The Boogie uh, the Nights. Book, oh, it's no longer going, but uh, it, it was a few suburbs from me, a few suburbs okay. away, a little bit of armour um, travel by the bus. And I was impressed. Now, the second month when they, when they ran it, there was only half the size of the crowd. And amongst them, only half the people were dress, dressed up. The rest were all slobby and, you know, shorts and T-shirts. And the third month was uh, only about a third. And the guy running it said to me, I reckon I'm going to have to close this night down. And <laughs> I was talking to the guy and uh, said to him, you know, if this was a zombie shoot, you'd get like a thousand extras turning up. And he looked at me like I was nuts. But I, I'd just been in the papers helping um, a feature movie to get zombies, right? And uh, I had a friend that was a journalist and I told her, look, they're looking for 500 volunteers to be zombies in a zombie movie. And these guys have never gotten more than eight people onto a set before. Well, um, they were doing fantastic makeup for this zombie movie. So I told my friend about it and uh, we, we went out and set it up like it was a movie set. And I got all of this zombie makeup put on me and the photographers took the picture. The story went into the papers and it went onto the front page of uh, seven local papers from the star network. So half page, great big zombie pick leader who are like their competition put it on page seven but put it out on more of their papers and they got sixteen thousand applicants they then wow they had to just cut it off from applicants because they just couldn't answer any more people so they they closed off their facebook page that nobody else could uh message them or anything and i was telling john who was running boogie nights hey you you want a crowd do a zombie movie so he said to me yeah dave you do a zombie movie for me here. <laughs> and I said, sure. He said, 
then the publican comes in and he says, by the way, you can't disturb the patrons while you're making your zombie movie. I go, huh? So I'm, I'm going to have to make a zombie movie, but we're not allowed to make any noise, right? <laughs> Gets better. Um, they then said, as well as not disturbing the patrons, all of the patrons there are there for the movie night. They're all, they're all filmmakers and actors. So this is a crazy thing. Then the guy says, oh, we don't want any fake blood because we don't want it getting on the carpet. The guy that ran the night said, uh, use poster paint. Just dab it onto people's faces, uh, water-based poster paint. You'll never be able to tell. So uh, I'm thinking this movie is going to be crap and be a throwaway and only a gimmick to get people there. But the gimmick worked. The place was packed because all of these people wanted to be in a zombie movie. So he finally packs it out again. And uh, we do our zombie movie with all of the restrictions and everything. So I end up at the end of it with all of the footage and there's no sound on the footage uh, because we weren't allowed to have sound. Well, a guy contacts me from India of all places and says, I'd like to do the soundtrack for your movie. And he, he sends me his, um, his show reels. And I realised that this guy is actually amongst the best. He should actually be in the USA doing Disney. Um, the really? Stuff being, yeah, the stuff that was being produced in India was on the quality of the... If it was an action film, it was on the quality of the top action films. And, and I've said to this guy, and I've messaged him a heap of times just to make sure I said, do you realise that I'm not a big filmmaker? And he said, that's okay, I'll do it for free. I said, you realise that um, this isn't going to be big or anything? And uh, he's saying, look, it's okay. What he wanted to prove was that he could work remotely. Mm -hmm. It actually did get his, his uh, foot in the door for Hollywood. Um, I'm still friends with him today. So I, I, I get all of the footage off to this guy and he puts this uh, soundtrack where you don't need any um any voices there's a little bit of sound from the, yeah. the camera where, that is selectively put in but you don't really need to understand what anyone's saying and i ended up with this three and a half minute film that actually turns out to be a proper movie it actually is good it's brilliant it wins awards it gets shown on tv all around the world and everything so i actually did make a movie i, I forgot about it because it was a theoretically a throwaway gimmick just to get people yeah. to come along to the night. I mean, the makeup artist there was me. Oh. <laughs> I, I really did put poster paint on people's faces to make them zombies. I um, What else did I do? I had um, eyeshadow, which um, I used to hollow in cheeks and just put uh, dark circles yeah. under people's eyes and I had black lipstick and I lined everybody up like uh, 14 people and just quickly just went bang, 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 bang. Oh, for the uh, white in the face. It was just uh, baby powder just <laughs> into people's faces. And uh, so it really was done that quickly, that cheaply and almost as a throwaway gimmick. And because this one um, guy comes in from India that has just got skills, he, mm -hmm. I looked at his studio, they sent me photos, and I'm thinking, this can't be real. 
I'm looking at a professional level studio that would cost me a couple of thousand dollars a day to hire and guys who were doing sound that were multi-instrumentalists, they only wanted to prove one thing. So the idea of working remotely started for me six years ago with these guys doing the sound. Wow. You already had kind of a step in the right direction for for the shutdown. (laughs) Yeah, well, these guys were, were quite special not just because of the high skills and everything I've mentioned, but um, they're obviously, they're very big in India and they could see ahead of time technologically what they needed to do. So they knew that they could work from America for America remotely. They just needed to prove to somebody they could um, do a job remotely. And I happened to be the lucky guy that got that. So I was working with people remotely beforehand, but these guys were different. Most people weren't as open-minded. I had gotten animations done for music videos from overseas and work done from overseas and work remotely, but this wasn't the common thing. Nowadays on any movie I'm doing, um, the soundtrack of the last movie, half of it was done um, in Miami. <laughs> you know, So a, a composer in Miami put, put that together. But in the future, we're hoping to do a lot more, like even get the filming done, some of the filming done overseas, be getting a lot more done. So everything becomes more of an international collaboration. I think yeah. the, lo- the lockdowns have, uh, have helped that. Those that refuse to adapt, well, they're not doing much, are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, so those who won't adapt have got, are going the way of the dinosaurs until they change their minds. But, uh, yeah, so there has been a positive thing with the lockdowns. Um, and uh, I hope that continues, that we work and collaborate internationally much more. I hope so, too. Um, where can anyone watch any of these short films, your feature films? Can they be seen anywhere? Uh, best place is my YouTube channel. Okay, um, because you've got them all collected there. But um, I, I do actually get them put on TV. It's just I don't know when something's coming up. Like two weeks ago, I got a message on Facebook from a friend that was in Adelaide, and I'm in Melbourne. And uh, she told me that uh, my films are on in Adelaide. On the t- She said, I just turned on the TV. I can see your films there. So I had no idea that um, they were showing them. And as for what films they were showing, they weren't even showing uh, one of my features or anything. They just collected up enough stuff to fill in one hour. Um, just So they were just whatever short films they'd shown of mine before that fitted into an hour and just put them together. So it wasn't even a show. So that, that yeah. can happen. So, you know, I, I could end up with a short film that's um, chucked in as a filler in Hawaii on their community TV tomorrow. I won't know about it, so I can't tell people, hey, tune into this TV station right. in Hawaii at 11.45 at night, and there's a 10-minute uh, film of mine. That is so cool, though, that like you just someone will get on and get to watch it and you just don't even know. Oh, to me, it's cool. Uh, it never gets old. But when I, when I get the um, films to the various TV stations, when I sign the forms and it says how long's the license for, I always write forever. <laughs> you know, so I'm not Might selling well. 
I'm not selling anything. You don't have to pay to see my film. So when I get them off to the TV stations, I say, show them as many times as you like, whenever you like. That's really cool. Um, so one thing I like to do before we end is I like to play a quick game with my guests. So just like a, I'll ask you a question and it's just like your first answer that you think of. Yep. Okay. So what's your favorite drink? Drink. Uh, do you mean alcoholic? Any anything um well if it's alcoholic i do like uh bourbon and coke okay uh, uh and then non-alcoholic uh, as for uh, non-alcoholic i'll be boring um no non-alcoholic it's coffee i live on it sorry I've, I've i love one. coffee too <laughs> no i'm addicted to it so let's say coffee is my favorite drink gotcha um what's your favorite tv show Oh, I haven't watched TV for ages, but right at the moment, watching TV shows on the computer, I'm getting into The Mandalorian. Oh, is that on Disney Plus? I think so. Yeah. Yes. It's a I've Star Wars things. one. Yeah. So, I've heard good so I, watched, I watched the third one of that um, uh, last night, and uh, they're doing quite nicely on that. In fact, the one they did before, no, not The Mandalorian, Boba Fett. That's the that. latest one. The oh. one before was The Mandalorian. I like that. And I'm not even a Star Wars fan. And I've enjoyed <laughs> that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I've been enjoying the uh, Disney ones on that. But there's too many to mention. Yeah. No, I understand yeah. that. <laughs> I just finished watching Gamora. So that was five seasons, I think, Gamora. Been watching it for a few years. And two, two, uh, TV, two films. Yeah. Gamora's yeah. from Italy. Okay, very cool. I don't think I've ever heard of that one, but that's cool. Um, what is your what advice would you give to your younger self? To my younger self, I don't want to. I don't want to advise my younger self. I mean, I said yes, I've made a lot of mistakes, and I really have made a lot of mistakes. I think all of us have, but I like the way I turned out. So I'm afraid that if I change any, let's say everything went right for me from being a kid, I could have just turned out to be absolutely arrogant or privileged or something. Right. Uh, any small change could change everything. who I am. Yeah. So I don't want to advise my younger self. I like that. I like that answer. Um, and how would you describe yourself in five words? Um, first one, motivated. I wasn't feeling that way when I had cancer, but I've come back motivated, passionate, um, empathic. Is that the correct word or is it yes. empathetic? Empathic. I think. That word that means when somebody else is feeling really miserable next <laughs> to you, you just can't switch off. You start feeling miserable too. <laughs> Uh, empathic, um, intelligent, and spiritual. Oh, I love that. Now I feel arrogant. I'm going to have to put arrogant in it. You don't just say five nice things about yourself without Why? being absolutely narcissistic. No, it means you're confident. Yeah. I don't want to put narcissistic in there because that's the no. opposite of empathy. Yeah, no, I think those were good, five good words. I and, hope I put so. you on this, and I put you on the spot. So that's, it, it'll be my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I've never liked it when you go for a job interview and you've got to um, talk yourself up. But fortunately, I've been in the same job for 20 years. So it works. Uh, yeah, been pretty much with the same team for 15. So, so I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I just have to do the job and do it uh, to standard or maybe right. 5% better so that, um, so that I keep the job the next day. <laughs> That's true. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. And can you tell us your YouTube channel? And I'll put it in the description for the podcast. For sure. I'll, um, I'll cut and paste the YouTube uh, channel and just send it to you in the chat. Okay. Well, this was another episode of Hey Alexa. And thank you so much again, David. And I hope everyone has a great day and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you.